Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Good morning. Joining me today is Dr. Nir Bazarlai. Uh, he's the author of Age Later, Health Span, Lifespan, and the New Science of Longevity. Dr. Nir Bazarlai has made it his mission to show people around the world how they can live a longer, healthier, and more active life. But in light of the COVID pandemic, he sees an urgent need to hack the biology of aging. He outlines how a combination of lifestyle changes and medication may help older people become less susceptible to illnesses like COVID by increasing not only their immunity, but also the overall ability for their body to be able to survive a serious illness. Dr. Barzilai, who discovered the first longevity gene in humans, is the founding director of the Institute for Aging Research at Albert Einstein College of Medicine and the director of the American Federation for Aging Research. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, doctor. Nice being in your show. Looking forward to that. Well, I like the topic, uh, aging later. How do we do it? It's uh, scary to think about aging particularly, I think, for some of us baby boomers, um, or at least I'll speak for myself. So aging, that's a hot topic, a big topic, and especially in light of, let's say, President Trump. Um, and I know that uh, you have a, have said a lot about that in terms of how he has handled the COVID virus, for instance, uh, in light of the fact that he's, what, 74 years old. So uh, maybe we should begin with that, because we're talking about COVID and aging and being and one of the things that um, you know is always in the news is that if you are 65 or older, uh, you te- if you get COVID, you'll be very sick or perhaps right. you know die or die much sooner than say if you were under 65. Right. So so let le- let me just start with the good news so we can start in the same place. Look, uh, aging has a biology, and and you know that you know who's old and who's young. What we didn't know and we didn't realize until recently that this biology is flexible. This biology can be targeted and aging can be significantly delayed and, and in some case prevented and, and even reversed in, in certain conditions. And, and this is a, a thanks to a, to a field that's called geroscience that have taken us from hope to promise. And, and I think that's what we have to know, because we cannot do what we're doing now, which is accumulating one disease in the treatment and a second disease and a third disease and a fourth disease, and, and the treatment are interacting with each other and the diseases. This cannot happen when we know that we can stop aging, which is driving those diseases. All right, specifically, let's so talk now, about because you started out saying aging so, delayed. We can delay aging so that we. Uh, how let's how do we do that? I mean, you talk. I mean, I look at you know one looks at themselves at least aging from the outside. Your skin get gets wrinkled. Uh, you know that's what that's the obvious. Um, all of these things that you can visually see happening to you. People say they can't remember things as well as they used to when they were younger. All of those right. things that. Um, most people are aware of as they age. How, how do we begin? I mean, I know you in your book, you talk so, exercise. Yeah, go ahead. Right. So, so let, let me just say, because, you know, it's important for, for me, for the audience to know that I'm a scientist. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, a, an oil snake salesman. <laughs> and as, as a scientist, 
we uh, agreed on what we call eight hallmarks of aging or, or knobs that you can uh, turn on and, and actually target them and you're going to change uh, health span and lifespan. And you can do it in variety of ways, but certainly and applicable immediately is by changes in lifestyle and, and medication. Okay, so, I, so we can take, talk separately about that. So let, let's talk about lifestyle. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're in your house and you're over 65 and you say, I'm a risk and I want to avoid the risk of COVID, there are uh, two things you should do. One is you should move all the time. I know it's hard in a house, but you can also get out. You can drive somewhere out. You can take a hike. Moving and exercising is really important for your immune system. Okay, so let me get it off the shelf. It's harder to tell people not to be obese, right? Because obesity and aging combined are huge risk factors. But let me tell you what it means from an aging perspective, what nutrition means from an aging perspective. Years ago, decades ago, and in my lab, we do this simple experiment where we take rats or mice and give them to eat whatever they want or give their brothers only 60% of that. It's called caloric restriction or dietary restriction. And when you do that, the animals are healthier and they live significantly longer, like 40%. I mean, they almost double their life expectancy. And this was taken to say that, you know, you should have less food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But that's not what we did for those animals. What we did for those animals, we came in the morning, they were hungry, we gave them the food, and they finished the food within 20 minutes, and then they were fasting for almost 23 hours. If we give the food throughout the day, they are lean, you know, they, they don't get obese, but they don't live long either. So the fasting is very important from an aging perspective, and that's why it's very popular now to do what we call an intermittent fasting or a 16-hour fasting. For me, it means that I finish eating at about 8 in the evening, my dinner, and then I skip breakfast and the next meal is lunch, and I don't have anything in between except coffee without sugar and milk. Uh, so there's advantage to think of it, in particular in these days, because, you know, when you give a three-month diet, you can, um, you can break any day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if all I have to do is just hang in for an hour or two, even if I'm hungry, and then I can eat whatever I want, that's easier to do for most people. So, so this I have to, okay, is, this so is, I'm interrupting you, but what do you do, when you're talking about the 16-hour break or 16-hour fasting, is that every day? Once a, how often do you do that? You do that every day? I, I, I do it every day. It becomes easier with time, but there is a lot of variations. People can do what I just described two times a week, but there are people who are doing other things, such as fasting for five days. Uh, three times or four times a year. There is a lot of variation of what you could do with the fasting, but clearly the fasting has benefits no matter how, how you learn to do that. 
you know, as you're describing it, I'm thinking of in biblical terms that, that, you know, in in biblical times, it it was incorporated into people's religions, right? That you, you know, there were holidays where you fasted. Yeah, it was part of the culture. But anyway, yeah. Okay, so. Correct. But what does that do in terms of, let's culturally, for instance, how do you, and I'm not really talking about now in the time of COVID where we can't go to too many places, but you're saying you go to bed at eight o'clock at night and don't have anything to eat after and don't have breakfast or lunch. But it, what if you want to go out for dinner at eight o'clock and you want to have a drink? And I mean, how does that fit into the, the social, your social life? Because that has impacts on your aging process too, I think, if you're not connecting with people in, in the so it seems like a, a, you have to really adjust it, I guess, is what you're saying to your own lifestyle. Whether, yeah. Yeah, well, somewhat. Look, for most people, it's easy. Uh, unless I'm in Spain, I usually have dinner, you know, between six and seven, right? I'm done with dinner at eight o'clock, okay? <laughs> uh, in Spain, actually, I was, I was doing it. It was a mess because I really had to skip lunch <laughs> because you eat so late. So, yeah. so yeah, the, wh- where you are uh, uh, does matter, but uh, it's really about skipping breakfast. And I think people, just like people don't know that aging is flexible, that they don't know that breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. By the way, it might be for kids. I, I don't know, but we're talking about aging now. It's not the most important part of the day. Breakfast was invented by Kellogg's. Basically, uh, think about it in evolution. Okay, the hunters got up in the morning, started to chase to chase the deer, got it at night, did barbecue. Right? I mean, they didn't start with stack of pancakes and and waffles <laughs> for breakfast. So, uh, breakfast is not exactly the meal that was designed to our physiology, and for most people. Even if they don't realize, it's not so hard to skip breakfast. There are always people who tell me, no, no, you know, I cannot deal without breakfast. Uh, my glucose goes too low. It, by the way, that doesn't happen. Okay. <laughs> so uh, so it, it's hard for some people, but you'll be surprised how many people are enjoying it. And there's also another side effect to that, a good side effect. Although you're not trying to lose weight because... You eat whatever you want in the eight hours that you have. Most people lose weight, men more than women, but most people lose some weight, even though it's not a restrictive diet as far as what happens in the eight hours. In other words, it's kind of the the, the fact that you skip breakfast, you're not eating this breakfast within the eight hours. You're just over it. So you've said exercise, exercise is crucial and so is nutrition. What are we supposed to be eating, let's say, in, in this kind of a, a sequence or what, how, what kinds of foods? Well, uh, so I, I'm not going to contribute uh, more on that. It's not, uh, it's not my specialty, right? But I, I would say that the dinner, that the food that have shown beyond any doubt that it has a good effect on um, aging and its diseases is the Mediterranean diet, okay? So that, that, that means eating more vegetables, a lot of olive oil, and, and, and fish more than meat, okay? A diet like that has really great effects on cardiovascular uh, cognition, 
uh, other age-related things. So this would be the one that's most tested. It, saying that, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm against a, 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 a other diets, and I think it's kind of clear where we're going with diet. I, I, I would say one thing scientific that is really important. You know, a, the American Dietitian Association is changing their recommendation every year or so. Uh, they did start with breakfast is the most important meal, and they did decide that 65 of our 65% of our um, energy should come from carbohydrates, and they've been scaling it back. Carbohydrates is something that we should avoid as much as possible. Okay, so where do we get the energy? Well, we get it more from fat than anything else. Fat used to be the worst thing we could do, and now every year that passes, you can have more fat. Part of the reason is, of course, part is because carbohydrates are more dangerous than fat, but in part is because in order to avoid the bad effects of fat, most of elderly are on statin drugs. I mean, the drugs are, are there, they are safe. So if, if your cholesterol is, is taken, is being treated, you know, if your cholesterol is not a problem, then fat is better than carbohydrate. So in other words, okay, that's that was actually going to be my next question. So we're talking about medication. That's one way in, in improving our life health and also right. our extending right. our lifespan drugs. You're saying statins are one? Right. That's one drug? What other no, drugs are we talking no, about? No, actually, actually <laughs> I, I wasn't going to uh, mention statins at all until you asked me uh, what food, and then I say fat, and then I go to statins. But statin is not a medicine that you give uh, uh, to animals and it increases their lifespan. It's not, okay? In fact... Even in humans, the mortality of people on statins is not changing compared to people without statins. The cardiovascular mortality is changed, but not overall mortality. So, so statins are not those uh, drugs, we call them gerotherapeutics or geroprotectors, but there are other drugs that do it. And I'll give you two examples because they are very relevant to the COVID-19. One of them is a drug that's called metformin that I'm sure a lot of your listeners are on. If they have diabetes, they would be on metformin or have been on metformin. Metformin is a, a drug that was available in the 1940s and 50s to combat flu and malaria. And then it was discovered that it also lowers glucose in diabetics, and then it became an anti-diabetic drug. But actually, metformin, when you give it to variety of animals, and, and the nice thing about the science of aging is that on, all animals are, are aging the same way. You know, the skin, the hair, what you mentioned, the skeletal, and then they get diseases. They get different diseases, but it's driven by, by aging. Uh, so you give metformin to all animals, they all live long, healthier and longer. Um, 
But even in humans, we know that people on metformin have less cardiovascular disease, have less Alzheimer, have less uh, cancers, and, and have less mortality than, than even non-diabetic people. Let, let, let me say differently. People with metformin and diabetes live longer than people that don't have diabetes. So now you mentioned that drug and I'm someone and my listeners know, I mean, I'm, you know, five, one, 110 pounds and I'm thin and I eat right or what I thought was eating right, maybe until I spoke to you or until as I'm speaking to you, but (laughs) I, so I don't have diabetes or pre-diabetes. So I've never heard of metformin. I mean, I've never heard a doctor that I've ever been to mention that. So is that something that is prescribed aside from just prescribing that medication to diabetics? Well, that, that's an excellent question, and there are two points here. First of all, I'm telling you about a drug that needs to be repurposed, okay? It's not a drug that is prescribed for a, to prevent aging now. This is a study that we're doing right now with the FDA or to show that FDA that aging can be targeted. So you're absolutely right. You cannot go out there uh, and get metformin. In fact, metformin has to be prescribed. And most doctors out there can find the literature. It's very compelling, but they don't know that metformin targets aging. On the other hand, and and the second point, by the way, because you said I'm lean and not diabetic, me too. But but metformin doesn't lower glucose in non-diabetic people. And in fact, people who got metformin and didn't have diabetes, their chances of, of developing diabetes was decreased by a lot, by a, by a good clinical study. Uh, but what, what we have to know now, that this is a war, right, with the COVID. And there are eight studies around the world that showed that people on metformin had, A, less hospitalization, okay, so they got less severe disease, and B, uh, they had significant less mortality. Okay, so we actually have evidence that metformin works in the COVID uh, setup. Uh, this is not the only drug. There is a drug that's called rapamycin that is more um, complicated drug. It's given to people after kidney transplant, but it's not a pure drug yet. It has side effects. We don't know how to use it well, but people who get... Uh, some analog of rapamycin in a clinical studies, they have 50% decrease in severe illness uh, 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 for, for a viral I- illness. So there, there's, there's, look, when I said that there are hallmarks of aging, eight hallmarks of aging, one of them is the decline in immunity. And anytime you can fix this aging, which is what metformin and rapamycin are doing, you improve the immunity and you decrease the inflammation, which is another problem that happened with COVID. So there there are two drugs out there that can actually do it and do it significantly. And, I have a and question. Let you, what about let President yeah. Trump, when he got was diagnosed with and had COVID and seemingly recuperated very quickly, were he given these drugs or a different combination of drugs than most of us would get if we were hospitalized? Uh, he yeah no, <laughs> we we were trying to hide. Look, after the hydro hydrochloroquine. We, we knew that the worst thing for us to do is to ask President Trump to come up and say that those drugs are 
uh, are good because nobody would believe it anymore, right? So we, we're very careful. And when he got sick, now, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that those drugs you give when people are sick, you give those drugs to prevent sickness, okay, to improve. They, th- those are all people who were on the drug uh, before, <laughs> before they were exposed, right? Uh, after they're exposed, I, 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 don't know, I, I don't know what can happen then, but uh, he got, he, so he got sick and he got other drugs that were experimental that could have had a good effect on his recovery. I believe they had a good effect on her recovery. But I'll tell you that I myself, me and my wife are on metformin although we are also uh, doing this 18-hour fast, okay? So we're not doing one thing, but we both got COVID. We're in Westchester, and, <laughs> and in uh, early April, and it's funny because in March, I came back from China, Singapore, Abu Dhabi, Israel. You know, I, w- I was with this virus all the time, but then I got it here at home, and it was a very mild uh, case. In fact, I continued working. I just had to take a nap. I took... Tylenol several times. I skipped exercising only two days. And my, my wife the same. So we, we strongly believe that being on this drug at our age really prevented a severe uh, uh, COVID disease. Uh, are you over but, 65? But those are anecdotes. Are you both over Sorry? 65? Are you both over 65? No, my, my wife is, uh, is 60 and I'm 64. Okay, so you're on the cusp of of the elderly or of old age, as they well, say. Well, you know, you know, uh, this, this is actually a good comment. Look, there is a biological age and a, and a chronological age, and they are not the same, right? I mean, the way you describe yourself means to me almost immediately that your biological age is probably older, uh, is a better than your chronological age. Um, how do you know, really? How do you make sense of that? Um, half of the people over the age of 65 have less than two diseases, and half of them have more than two diseases. And for me, this is a good clinical indication. If you're treated for more than two diseases, you're biologically older than 65, so you are more at risk. And if you have no disease, you're less than 65 and you have less risk. And so my wife and me and I think you are biologically younger than, uh, than our age. And, and this is something that is very important and very important to, to determine and to know. And it's also relevant for the vaccine, you know, and, and I don't think the vaccines that are being developed are going to be as effective in elderly. Uh, just because they use the same machinery that is failing in elderly, and that's why they get more disease and more severe disease. So, so, um, so this biological age is important and relevant for COVID. Yeah, that was going to be because we have a few minutes left. That was my one of my last questions. Like you say, the vaccine or vaccination will not work for most elderly patients or people, I guess, and, and especially uh, in relation to COVID. Now, I just before I just before I got on the show, I was uh, 
listening to the TV and they announced that Pfizer says that their vaccine will work on the elderly. I guess one of the uh, more Moderna, right. one of the other drug companies said it won't. Right. I, but, I, so can you right. yeah, I, comment on that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that too, and, I, and I'm delighted. But, but let me tell you the problem. Uh, the problem is that it's people over 65, but the average age of the people that they did is very close to 65, and they had to be healthy. So I, I'm still skeptical for people who, have, who are older and have multimorbidities if it's going to work. Look, if you're over the age of 80, you're 180 times more likely to die than if you're in your 20. So those are the people that are leading the mortality. So I'm still uh, skeptical a bit, but it is good news. And I hope it will work at least like the flu. And the flu is only 40% effective in elderly. Um, that's effective in not getting the flu, but hospitalization in people who get the flu vaccine is down by 80%. So I, I think it's good news overall, and it's probably not going to be effective in elderly uh, as, uh, as it is in the young, but, but it is a good news. Yeah, so it will be effective, but not as effective as you say, similar to just the, the flu vaccine that we get, for instance. Right, um, but, but my point is you can get those people, before you immunize them, you can get them on rapamycin and metformin, and improve their ability to get immunized. And, and those are the studies that are being done now. So we can intervene in aging, immunize, and then we'll get better results. Okay. Uh, we only have a couple more minutes. Uh, obviously, there's lots more questions I can ask you, but I want to make sure that listeners get out and read your book, Age Later. Health Span, Lifespan, and the New Science of Longevity. And I've been talking to Dr. Nir Barzile. Uh, so what websites can we go to? I'm assuming we can buy the book online, bookstores everywhere, but uh, website yeah, and or websites about your research because it's really fascinating. So I, I think the, the easiest thing to do is to go to Amazon and, uh, and get my book in either uh, uh, audio or, or, or other form, it's easy to read. You don't have to read everything. You can read whatever you're interested in. Also, the American Federation of Aging Research, FR.com, uh, is really the organization that gives you the scientific uh, truth about uh, aging research. But I want to also say something else that's very important. Look, it's not only about the elderly. One uh, minute. People who recover from... <laughs> People who recover from cancer are aging rapidly. People with HIV get diseases 10 years earlier. People who disable. If we want to go to Mars, we have to solve the aging problem. So this is a, a science and research and ability that will influence not only the health span of elderly, but other people as well. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Thanks so much for, for being on the show today, today doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Stay you. healthy. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 